Hi guys, welcome to the Nudge Health Podcast. I'm your host, Christine Deritu. Today, I am privileged to have the diabetes doctor, Dr. Hilda. Welcome so much. Thank you. I'm so happy to have you here. You're welcome. So before we ended the year in November, we were talking about diabetes mm-hmm. and I introduced diabetes remission. Mm-hmm. But I have you here to really talk to us about diabetes remission, given that you are the diabetes doctor. Mm-hmm. But to start us off, please tell us who's Dr. Hilda. Okay, so thank you so much, Christine, for having me. It's a pleasure being here with you. Um, I'm Dr. Hilda Nabiswa. I'm a diabetologist and I've also finished my endocrinology. But I like being known more for the diabetes because I have a lot of passion for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also a physician, internal medicine with a lot of people who have diabetes and I enjoy um, guiding them through the journey and making sure that at the end of the day they have their sugars to target mm-hmm. and reduce the complications as much as possible. All right. Yeah. What is internal medicine? Inter- internal, is it internal? Yes, internal uh-huh. medicine. So internal medicine is basically um, anything that deals with uh, the body organs but mm-hmm. without touching them. So I'm not a surgeon, Okay. but I can deal with liver issues, brain issues, heart issues, all, all of that, but all without right. surgery. Okay. Yes. Understood. So now, topic of the day, diabetes remission, reversal. First yes. of all, do you have anything like diabetes reversal? So that's a good question, Christine. Mm-hmm. So initially, people used to say diabetes reversal. What is diabetes remission? Diabetes remission is attaining an A1C, HbA1C of less than 6.5% mm-hmm. for three months without use of medication. So someone who was previously on medication, mm-hmm. then now they are able to go for three months with well-controlled sugar yeah. and an HbA1c which is below target, mm-hmm. which is actually 6.5% and below. Yeah. And yes, they are not using any medication. Mm-hmm. So the reason why it is called diabetes remission and not reversal mm-hmm. is because um, it was realized that when you say diabetes reversal, people thought that that's the end of it. Yeah. You know, like, oh, I'm it done. It's never happening again. Yeah. But the truth is that once you have type to diabetes you will always have the risk factors for that type 2 diabetes mm-hmm. so that means that um, even if you lose weight and change your lifestyle you're still at risk of gaining weight again yeah. and getting the di- type 2 diabetes again that's true and that is why it's called remission because for so long as you're in remission you mm-hmm. have maintained the weight loss and you've maintained what you need to do to get to remission yeah then you're okay but mm-hmm. the minute you misbehave and uh, the weight styles piling up you go back to where you started yeah yes all right so that's that that i take to be one of the misconceptions yes. about reversal being that you i mean i am well now mm-hmm. so is there another misconception around diabetes remission so another uh, common misconception is that all people with diabetes can get into remission Mm -hmm. and the truth is that type 1 diabetes does not have remission so people need to understand that remission is a term that is only for type 2 yes yeah so that's again it has to be very clear from the word go okay yeah all right Mm -hmm. any other myth um have you heard of any no, no, can those, those two. I think those are the those most two are the major ones mm. that I think I have had. Yeah. All right. So then, how does remission happen? Come about? Yes. 
That's a good question. Mm-hmm. So how remission comes about is actually the reverse of how diabetes comes about. Okay. So it's like you look at how does diabetes come in and then when you think of how to get rid of that mm-hmm. then you get remission. Yeah. So if we go back to how diabetes comes about. Mm-hmm. Majority of the time type 2 diabetes comes from fat. Yes. Increased fat in the body, mm. increased fat in the viscera, which means around the major liver, organs, yes. the pancreas, mm-hmm. around the major organs. Yeah. And uh, one thing about fat is that it's actually, uh, fat in itself is able to produce hormones. Fat itself is able to produce inflammation. Mm-hmm. And people don't realize that. Yeah. So that inflammation and the hormones that are produced from the fat end up causing in insulin resistance mm-hmm. and insulin resistance is the hallmark of type 2 diabetes true where the pancreas is trying to produce insulin that will help to bring down the sugar but there's so much resistance coming from the body that mm-hmm. the insulin is still hanging around but it can't do its work yeah it's like a toxic environment yeah so that fat creates a toxic environment for the insulin and makes it unable to do its job mm-hmm. and that is type 2 diabetes yes and so now when you look at now the reverse of if you lose that fat mm. that is around the the liver around the pancreas mm. all uh, areas around the the especially the abdomen yeah. if you are able to lose that fat then mm-hmm. that toxicity reduces mm-hmm. and because of that the insulin is able to work again mm-hmm. and that is how you get into remission okay so it's just reversing what happened when someone got diabetes yeah yeah i like your emphasis on the abdomen area because mm-hmm. those, then it also brings the issue of when people are doing assessment mm-hmm. it's not enough to know your BMI, yes. you also need to know where does your fat, like where exactly. does your weight accumulate, exactly. the essence of having body compositions, because exactly. it allows you to know your visceral fat, mm-hmm. so that is critical. And now to even add to what you're saying, Christine, mm-hmm. um, you know, it has been found that I- Asians get diabetes at a very low, a lower BMI. Yeah. So their BMI for obese is actually not 30 like the rest of us. It's yes. 27.5. Yes. Why? Because it was found out that they get more complications even when they are smaller. Mm-hmm. And it happens that they pack a lot of fat around their abdomen. Yeah. So they have a lot of visceral fat more than other races. Yes. And so because of that, they already are at risk. So you might look at someone and think, you know, you, you look slim, like you look normal size that's true but they are packing a lot of fat inside the abdomen and Mm -hmm. that still gives them uh diabetes so it's very important like you say to know that bmi is not everything Mm -hmm. you can have a normal bmi but you have a lot of fat in the viscera Mm -hmm. and another common uh uh, cohort of people who have that same problem are people with hiv yes so nowadays people with hiv are living longer True. They are getting, you know, they are, I mean, they are living usual just life. the like usual life. Exactly. But yeah. now the thing is with them, the drugs that they take mm-hmm. redistribute the way fat is, uh, is is deposited in the system. And especially the older ones, because the initial drugs. Those initial, yes. yes. Those were the, the, the biggest culprits. Yes. Akinastavudin mm-hmm. and the rest. Yes. So because of that, their fat is accumulated in other places. So you can find they have more fat in the abdomen mm-hmm. than in the, in the legs. In the legs. Actually, their legs are very very thin. thin. And yet the fat is accumulating here. True. And that can make them get diabetes even with a normal BMI. Yeah. So that's another important thing to remember. Nice. Mm. So I want to talk to, in your case, in the case of your experience, yeah. uh, dealing with people who have, quote-unquote, normal BMI. Mm. What has, how would you compare with uh, somebody living with diabetes 
who has a higher BMI when it comes to the approaches you give them or the interventions like the guidance you're telling them mm. you need to make this life adjustments and these things so in terms of perceiving that advice how does do the two compare so i i usually find that it's harder for people who have normal BMI to accept mm-hmm. generally first of all just to accept the diagnosis yes because you know a bigger person or someone who's obese even they can see that hey i i i, I can see why i have yes. ended up here uh-huh. but someone with normal BMI most of them start blaming themselves or blaming their family mm. like you know this thing runs in our family this thing so they always look for some other reason to 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 explain why they're in the situation they are at mm-hmm. and um many times they they I, i found a lot of them take a lot of time to adjust to the reality of the situation yeah um but when you inform them about the importance of knowing the visceral fat because i tell them as much as you look small or you don't look that big but we don't know how much fat is inside and around your organs yes and uh, perhaps the only thing that can help us know that is an mri mm-hmm. of course we don't do that regularly so yeah. it's not something we would do mm-hmm. but i tell them not to look at uh, their their outer physical part and mm-hmm. just focus on what is happening within mm-hmm. themselves yeah yeah i think that emphasizes again the mm-hmm. need for somebody to look beyond the BMI. Yeah. Uh, I shared with you about that uh, a, a study that was done and mm. it showed that even people who had normal BMI and they lost weight, uh it was like it helped them in terms of their sugar control because of what you said initially mm. about the fat around the pancreas and just the vital mm. organs. So then that is uh that's critical. Mm. So let's go to weight loss. What yeah. are what what are healthy ways to lose weight for somebody who's living with diabetes? Okay. So first of all, um it's always important to know that the the pillar the, the foundation of any person living with diabetes. The management always has to include lifestyle change. Mm-hmm. And lifestyle is diet and exercise. Yeah. So those are the the main uh changes that someone can do mm-hmm. looking at their diet and looking at their exercise. However, when it comes to weight loss nowadays in diabetes, we don't stop there. That used to be the old way of thinking that you know work on yourself. Yeah. But then we realize that there are some drugs you can give that will help encourage weight loss in mm-hmm. the patients. Mm-hmm. So nowadays we incorporate different drugs. We have uh, a class of drugs known as the SGLT2 inhibitors. Okay. So that's one class of drugs that should be given to someone who is seeking weight loss and this is for somebody who has what particular kind of weight like who is the target population for this one? Anyone who's overweight and has diabetes. Okay. Yes. So it doesn't matter even where the weight is. It will help to reduce the amount of fat generally. Okay. Even the fat around the heart, fat around the organs, it will reduce that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's one. Another one is the GLP-1 agonist. So medications that reduce weight, mm. those are the, th- those are the ones that we usually focus on. Yeah. And then we also try to modify the drugs they are already on. Mm-hmm. For example, insulin makes people gain weight. Yeah. So if you can help to reduce the dose of insulin that a patient is on, it mm-hmm. helps them to lose weight. Okay. So modification of medication very important. Mm-hmm. But then on top of that now, we realize that uh, beyond mm. drugs, there's also the role for surgeries the role for you know additional uh, assisted okay ways in which you can help the patient to lose weight okay yeah. now you preempted my next question yes. <laughs> <laughs> because I, like we now have a place for surgery yes. in weight management mm. so maybe to start us off what is bariatric surgery mm. just before we delve into into it so bariatric surgery is a uh, surgery that is designed to help the individual on which it is done mm-hmm. to reduce the amount of food consumed 
Okay. And therefore leads mm-hmm. to weight loss. All right. Yeah. Now it has been indicated as one of the ways that help to uh to that supports diabetes remission. Yes. Now in Kenya we have seen bariatric surgery becoming a thing. Mm. So what would you say is the place of bariatric surgery in diabetes management in mm. Kenya? In Kenya. Yeah. So I would say first of all anyone with a BMI of above 40 and now this one is obese. No mm. matter how you look at it, a mm-hmm. BMI of above 40 is obesity. Obese. Definitely yes. obesity. So those ones we encourage, they can even go for it at the beginning. They don't even have to wait. Because what happens is that when you tell someone with a BMI above 40 to start exercising and mm. dieting, it's very difficult. They don't but be, to, even the capacity to be able to exactly, do it. Exactly. Because some of them can't move yeah. well. Some of them are not that mobile. So mm. if you kind of kickstart and jumpstart the process mm-hmm. through bariatric surgery, yeah. it can go a long way. Yes. As long as the patient shows determination mm. and they show that they are able to sustain this. Okay. So I would say that uh, right now the guidelines actually say that we should think about bariatric surgery more than we do. So we actually are the ones mm. who under prescribe it. Okay. We under prescribe it. We are afraid. It. We are afraid. We're like, oh, you know, surgery is a big deal. Yeah. And uh, no one wants to be the reason. You know, bariatric surgery can also go wrong. Yes. So nobody wants to be the doctor who told you to go for bariatric and then something happens. Mm-hmm. And then you'll always blame Yes, and say you know I didn't they have did. to go, and mm. you sent me. And you recommended yeah, exactly. So I think that's that whole. We still haven't gained that gained that culture. Okay, but in the US, it's a really big thing already. Okay, mm. are you able to mention the certain types of the bariatric surgery? Yeah, that? so um, you have the gastrectomy, mm-hmm. um, where they are able to to remove part of the stomach. Okay, and then they leave you with a small piece. So that whatever you eat, you just feel full. Yeah. Any small thing, and you feel full. Mm-hmm. Then there is placement of balloons, which can be done endoscopically or even swallowed. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I have a program for swallowed balloons. Okay. So it, the, the balloon stays in the stomach and makes it full, mm-hmm. so that uh, only small amounts of food can now be accepted into the stomach. So yeah. it's like so it's always eat, you end up eating smaller you portions. End up, yes. And how long do you have this balloon? So around six months, and okay. then it's removed. Okay. Yes. But that mm-hmm. one, during this time, uh, you're being taught on lifestyle modification, mm-hmm. so that by the end of the six months, even the way you eat, the foods that you eat has already changed. Mm-hmm. So usually this depends a lot on the person. Because, you know, unlike uh, gastrectomy where the stomach is cut and whether yes. you like it or not, you it's will not eat there. a small amount. Mm-hmm. This other one, once the balloon is removed, if someone has not psychologically really thought about it, they can end up uh, reverting. Going back. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, uh, there's also the, the gastric bypass mm-hmm. where they actually bypass the stomach. And then the food ends up being deposited in a place that is after the stomach. Okay. Um, however, the problem of such is that there's a lot of maldigestion. And how about absorption? Where do you get so the where does the food go? How do you get nutrients? So it's actually that's the thing. So there's a lot of mal mal uh, digestion and then nutrition nutritional deficiencies. deficiencies. Because there's a reason why God created it the way it is. You go to the stomach, yeah. and then in the stomach you get your vitamin B twelve mm. and other things, then mm. you go down. So if you by, bypass certain areas in the digestion process, yeah. then you lose out on some nutritional uh, requirements. That's true. And so that's why before we prescribe it, we have to be very, um, it has to be very clear even to the person that mm-hmm. this can lead to diarrhea, this can lead to nutritional deficiencies mm-hmm. because we are, we are going against the normal way of digestion. Yeah. Yeah. So then, uh, so then that brings me to, so mm-hmm. what factors mm-hmm. would you consider, mm-hmm. what factors do you consider 
so that you can consider now the bariatric surgery. Bariatric surgery. So um, first of all, um, I usually look at the attitude and willingness of the patient. Okay. Before I even recommend, because bariatric surgery needs someone who is very dedicated mm-hmm. and who. Uh, let's say the balloon is placed. Yeah, you need someone who, after six months, they are going to continue with the lifestyle, the lifestyle that you have asked them to to start with. Mm-hmm. Um, for those who who are going to get the surgery, they need to understand that this can have also its complications. So they have to be there with you during the process and understand everything about the process. Yeah. So I I don't like giving it to people who are not very sure or they are not clear about exactly what is going to happen to them. Mm. I don't like uh, suggesting it to people who are not motivated to lose weight mm-hmm. because you can do that, you can do all those surgeries and still end up back, back. with the weight. So if it's sure. not coming sincerely from the heart and from someone who says I really need to change my life, yeah. then there's no point. You'd rather just Focus on the other ways in which you can focus on diet, focus, focus on, on lifestyle. Activity. Exactly. Okay. Then another important thing we can't forget is money. Because <laughs> <laughs> there are so many people who want to do it for the money as the pockets are So these things are very expensive. That's true. Um, the cheapest would probably be four hundred thousand, mm-hmm. all, all the way to like a million shillings. And remember, no insurance is going to cover this. Yeah, it's, cash. it's still not considered yeah, a medical. Exactly. And yet, if I were an insurer, I would actually prefer that to, to, to cover that 400,000 or 1 million yeah. then this person gets continues getting sick gets continues. into dialysis exactly. gets in, and then you end up paying hospital bills that are so much more that's true so I I, I think also the financial element mm-hmm. I wish there was a way in which we had better cover mm. for, for, for such people but so far very few covers are able to do bariatric surgery that's true most people have to do cash I think maybe we will get there, mm. given the trend and how the status that we are in in terms of overweight, obesity, mm. and the, the consequences or the complications associated yeah. with them. Mm. Probably we will get to a place where now it will be looked at as an intervention as yes. opposed to, you know, something that is for desirable or somebody just willing to get the surgery. Yeah. So what common, what are the accessible options in Kenya? For bariatric, for bariatric. So accessible, we have all of them, you know. Oh, we do. Actually, all every of them, one of them, you can around. get. It. You can get. They're, that's why I was telling you the only limiting factor is money. Is. If uh-huh. you have money, you can get all of these things in Kenya. Okay. Mm-hmm. What? Well, all right. Yeah. So now benefits. Yes. What are the benefits of it? So the benefit, of course, is the main reason why it's done, which is weight, weight loss. loss. Weight loss, first of all, helps with mobility. You know, there are people who can't walk, can't. You can't even go up the stairs mm. because of the weight. Yeah. So one is even just the mobility, making someone able to walk again mm-hmm. and now able to follow the lifestyle changes that you have prescribed for them. Yeah. So that is uh, one of the important things. The other thing is um, also just uh, uh, when it comes to things like fertility, because bigger women um, tend to... Obese women tend to reduce the fertility, especially if they have PCOS, mm-hmm. polycystic ovarian syndrome. Yes, yes. And so losing that weight then makes them 
able to regain their fertility. Mm. So that's another way in which uh, bariatric surgery helps, whether yeah. it's uh, balloons or, or the bigger surgeries. Okay. Um, another important thing that happens is now things like diabetes remission mm-hmm. and hypertension remission. Yeah. So you, there are some of these uh, acquired diseases that can actually go away mm. just because of the weight loss that has happened mm. in bariatric surgery. Mm. So one of the ways that diabetes remission happens is through the weight loss from bariatric surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, another important thing is just general well-being and improved self-esteem and you know mentally especially that there is a lot of body image and how we feel about how we look Mm. And now we have mental health. Exactly. And weight is a big contributor mm. to people having poor mental health. And funny enough now that you say that, just today I had a patient who told me that you know doc, I have lost 11 kilos. They have diabetes. Mm-hmm. Now their BMI is around 27, which is still overweight yeah, but it's overweight. kind of not bad. Yes. Um then she's like, you know, I've lost so much weight in our community. People are not allowed to to lose this much weight. I'm feeling self-conscious yes so i just usually remember that uh we, you what 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 might be looking it's two way it's two way yeah yes. you might think that this is what helps someone to regain their self-esteem and you'll find that it's actually the opposite it is true mm. yeah it's it's a, it's a status thing yeah yeah okay so now i want to ask so their long-term studies usually ha- they have questions on the efficacy of bariatric surgery mm. and diabetes resolution yes now I'm just curious, considering all of these things are available mm. and they are, we don't know about the efficacy long term mm. and our health system and the health infrastructure, are we in a position to, like, what is the place of the Kenyan health system? I think um, the Kenyan health system is still very fragile and weak mm-hmm. and uh, we have not yet reached a point where we can say that bariatric surgery is a big issue. Because we are still dealing with diarrheal diseases. Yes. <laughs> Communicable disease. Pneumonia. You know. So, <laughs> bariatric just becomes one of those things which I don't think in the next even 10 years we'll have seen the light of day. Yeah. We have a lot of non-communicable diseases. Cancer is on the rise. And True. I think it's a bigger health concern right now, than yes. uh, weight issues. Mm. So, I would say as of now, Kenya is headed there. It's mm-hmm. headed to a pandemic. We are already seeing so much in terms of rise of diabetes is hypertension that's true but we have not yet understood the implication probably in the next 10 years mm. when now a lot of the population is obese a lot of the population is uh, having living with diabetes, living with diabetes living and complications with yeah. that's when people will realize hey there's something else going on. So we once we are done with dealing with the communicable diseases and enter into the non-communicable space, mm. the first in the hierarchy is cancer. Yeah. Then the second and third now happens to be the heart diseases, the cardiovascular renal, diseases, and those yes. ones are usually from diabetes and hypertension. Okay. So once we are able to deal with cancer, then hopefully at that time also the government will focus on the the other the diabetes hypertension and cardiovascular diseases all right mm. now that was a lot to, to do with with weight being a key factor like if you manage the weight you can be able to get to remission mm. but again there are also instances where people have achieved remission but without uh, the weight loss so what other factors could contribute to remission Actually, it's very rare for you to get remission without weight loss. Mm-hmm. However, you can go into some form of remission if 
your contributing factor was not necessarily weight. For example, there are some people who are put on medications like steroids. Mm -hmm. So you have patients who have chronic diseases, they have, let's say, rheumatoid arthritis or uh, SLE, lupus, and they have been on prednisone for a very long time Mm -hmm. and they develop diabetes. But once you stop the prednisone or taper off and remove it, it's very easy for the diabetes to go away. To go away. So it's not necessarily remission. It's just that the trigger for Uh the diabetes is now gone. Yes. Same as uh, gestational diabetes. Mm -hmm. The thing that brought the diabetes is the baby, the pregnancy. Once the pregnancy is out, then they revert back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it really depends on the, f- the 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 reason for the diabetes. Some people get diabetes because of pancreatitis. Yeah. So for some time there, the pancreas is inflamed. It's mm-hmm. not able to produce enough insulin. Someone mm-hmm. gets diabetes. Mm-hmm. But then with time, as the pancreas heals, the diabetes is also healed. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it really depends on what triggered the diabetes in to start with. Mm-hmm. But for those who have the typical type 2. Now th- those others are other forms of diabetes. Mm-hmm. You know, steroid induced diabetes, yeah. gestational diabetes, mm-hmm. medication induced diabetes, mm-hmm. um, sepsis, infections can cause diabetes. Yeah. So if you have diabetes that is purely from insulin resistance, then weight loss becomes your, your treatment. Mm-hmm. But if your diabetes is from other uh-huh. triggers, then it's possible for you to go into remission just because the trigger has gone. Okay. Mm. Now, speaking of other other causes, we had COVID. Yes. And there was a lot of diabetes that mm. came with, quote-unquote, came with mm. COVID. What is the place? What what do we know now? So it was chicken and egg. So <laughs> what came first? What came first? So majority of them, when you do HbA1c for them, it was high, mm-hmm. which means there were probably people who had diabetes but didn't, didn't know. know. And then now when they got COVID, it's like... <gasps> Yeah. I have diabetes. Yes. So they thought that the COVID and diabetes have come at the same time. Mm-hmm. And many of them actually have continued to be diabetic. However, there are some who uh, the sugars have since come down. Why? Because COVID in itself, we used to give steroids for treatment. Mm-hmm. So remember, we've just talked about steroids causing uh, diabetes. diabetes. So now some of them, it is the medication we were giving that was causing the diabetes. Mm-hmm. For some of them, it's the, the inflammation in the body. You know, COVID used to trigger such a huge inflammatory response. Yeah. And inflammation by itself can lead to high sugars. Mm-hmm. So some of them, it's the COVID itself that was causing a lot of inflammation, which was leading to high sugars. Mm-hmm. And then now, which uh, later on, they went, they went yeah. back. So for those who happened to be diabetic, even after, those are the ones who already probably were diabetic from before. But and uh, and, and, and remember, fifty percent of people with diabetes don't are actually know exactly. Yes. So I think COVID just helped us know the people who have diabetes in the in the in the community. Okay. Mm. All right. Now, the um, what characteristics would you say from your patients? I I want to believe you have had cases of remission with your the clients that you manage. So, what characteristics stand out for them? Mm. Okay. So first of all, we'll start with the the disease characteristics. Mm-hmm. So one is the shorter the period someone has had diabetes, the mm-hmm. higher the chances of remission. Okay. Yes. So basically, the people who go into remission are those who've just had or just started having diabetes within the first, let's say, around three years. Mm-hmm. That's the best chance of getting them. Okay. Yeah. All right. Then the other thing is now about the the patient themselves. Mm-hmm. There has to be a lot of discipline and focus. Okay. Yes, you cannot go into remission if you're not focused, if you're not disciplined. Mm-hmm. So all my patients who've gone into remission are so focused with what they eat, 
they literally change their lifestyle mm-hmm. and they change everything that used to be about them you know yeah. um until people even wonder like you know nowadays what's happening mm-hmm. you know you don't they actually tell me how they they consciously have to make that effort over and over again yeah and um i think that's really resilience that's something that i've seen mm-hmm. in all those patients yes and then the ability to ensure that they 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 uh measure their sugars regularly mm. to know that they're on the right track yeah. so they don't just let go you know like mm. oh i'm done mm. they actually keep on monitoring their sugars their pressures their weight they're mm. very particular mm. about it they are good with follow up mm-hmm. so many people usually think that once you're you're there once you've achieved your 6.5% then they relax yeah. but those who actually continue the remission are those ones who are very focused and keep on pushing on mm. and ensuring that they are recording every aspect of their lives even after the achieving the remission mm-hmm. yes i want to believe even this focus and discipline applied to meds when they were taking the medication yes yes they generally and that's why even when i when i decide this is someone who we can do remission with mm. it's someone who i've seen even how they are already tackling their medication they're so dedicated to it mm. and i tell them you know we can try something why don't we try targeting a lot a, a different kind of diet that can push you towards uh weight loss and okay. they accept yeah okay mm. nice so have you had instances where somebody achieved remission and then later on yes Uh-huh. Uh, too many times okay yes what were, what happened so that just laxity you know where they were like ah i'm safe i'm okay mm-hmm. and that's why they stopped calling it reversal because when you say reversal they think it's over but from the word go if you tell them it's remission which means it's good. good it's only until it's as good as your lifestyle is the minute you you slip up and you decide to add the weight again mm. you will go back to diabetes when yeah. it's very clear from the word go then they become more uh effective at monitoring their their sugars and their weights okay yeah. so guys went back like for these people i want to believe they went back to their normal, normal routine before yes before before getting the remission <laughs> i mean the diagnosis and the remission exactly okay and remember for some food is an addiction just the way alcohol can be an addiction mm-hmm. so you can imagine how many people go into rehab and come out successfully and then are still successful one year two years after yeah. many of them relapse So the same thing happens with some people who have food addictions or food is their coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. So they have gone into remission but then something triggers and maybe a, 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 a loss happens. That's very common also by the way. Something happens in their life. Okay. Either they lose trigger. someone or or something happens in their in in their life mm. whether it's loss of a job or food or a person and it just triggers old coping mechanisms oh. and then they get back to it again okay. so that's why mental health is a very very big part of diabetes management okay mm. yeah mental health is critical i think it cuts across mm. everywhere mm. i'm just wondering when it comes to the remission and management now like you have been told you're not taking meds so you're managing them through your lifestyle change mm. does it differ based on age in terms of what you do like are older adults have specific things that they need to do while well, younger people they as are there things that apply based on the cohort um i don't know how to put this but mm-hmm. uh it depends on how good of a person how uh fit of a person is in front of you for example i have my 91 year old grandfather who lives with diabetes mm-hmm. but he's walking he goes to town by himself he comes back okay so for him 
I still give him, you know, like the babu try try doing exercise, try doing as much as he's 92. Mm-hmm. But I have a 60 year old who's had a stroke already, who is bedridden, who you know. Yeah. So their circumstances are very different that age has nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so it's it's, a, it's, it's the, the individual, it's the individual and the things that surround yes, exactly. Individual. It's the person that you find in front of you. So we call it individualization of care. Okay. So you really have to take the person in front of you and look at their circumstances and say okay, this is the person, so this is how we are going to handle them. Mm. Age is just one of the factors, but it doesn't mean that old people are all um going to be given small targets you can have old people who are still given hard targets yeah. and they can manage with them okay yeah ah nice so what are the what would you say is like the the care or how do you manage now uh in terms of now i'm in remission mm. so what am i looking at in terms of in terms of like you see initially when i was taking meds i'm taking my meds i'm t- checking my glucose diet all these things. Mm. So in terms of like sugar assessment for instance, yes. how often do I do the as the check yeah. if I'm in remission? Okay. Yeah. So if you're in remission, actually the best test to do is the HbA1c mm-hmm. every 3 months because it just tells us how your sugar has been for the last 3 months. Okay. So that would be the best test to do every um, 3 months. But you can do regular fasting blood sugars. Remembering that our target is 4 to 7. We, there's no real uh, like uh, target, but you can. I usually encourage them to do weekly, mm-hmm. shu- weekly sugars, mm-hmm. fasting blood sugars, just to make sure that things are still okay. Mm-hmm. But the HbA1c is the best way to to kind of uh, make sure everything is fine because mm-hmm. it goes back three months. Okay, mm-hmm. and if I was like, if I get back the if the diabetes quote unquote comes back, will it come with the classical with the classical signs? Um, sometimes it just creeps up. So sometimes you don't have any signs and that's why we tell them to regularly check their sugars, even Mm -hmm. if it's once a week or once every two weeks, so that if it's high, they know something is happening. Um, and the HB1C, of course, but that you have to wait for three months. So many times, no symptoms are associated with the coming back of the diabetes. Yeah. So it's about be mine, making sure that someone has recorded getting to, yes, monitoring your sugars. Exactly. Okay. So studies suggest that uh, you can, like, like what you said, you achieve remission with people who have, who know it, like when it was, they've had it for a shorter time. Mm. But also in the pre-diabetic stage, it's mm. very, it's easier mm. uh, to avoid the diabetes. Yes. So would you say that that works? Like having intervening at the point of pre-diabetes, mm. is it working? Um, I have seen it many times. Uh, if you are able to move from pre-diabetes to normal glycemia, mm-hmm. that would be the best thing. But remember, diabetes remission does not cover pre-diabetes yes. as a as a as a as a definition mm-hmm. because it talks about HbA1c of less than six point five percent, and you are off medication. Yes, but you can still be in a pre-diabetic state mm-hmm. because pre-diabetes is five point seven to six point four. True. So you can be still in the pre-diabetic stage, but you're for not. someone who was already in diabetes, mm-hmm. then that means they have come back into remission. Yeah, they are not really called pre-diabetic. Mm-hmm. They are just diabetics in remission. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, but for someone who has pre-diabetes, mm-hmm. it is important to go back to normal glycemia, which means going back to a state where now you, your 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 sugar levels are normal totally. Mm-hmm. And that's the best place to catch people by the way, mm-hmm. doing screening so that you find them earlier mm-hmm. rather than later. So for those who 
still proceed and become diagnosed with diabetes mm. having been ha- gone through the pre-diabetic stage mm. what would you say is not working in intervening at the pre-diabetic stage it's because first of all people don't know that they're pre-diabetic okay and then um healthcare workers don't know pre-diabetes some of them mm-hmm. as long as they see ah hb1c is less than 5 or uh, 6.5% you're okay but they don't understand that there is pre-diabetes mm-hmm. because I, one thing I've realized about uh, clients and people who, um, let's say our patients, is if you tell people and if you bring out to their attention that, hey, there's something here that needs to be fixed, more often than not, they take it seriously. Yeah. But now if the healthcare worker themselves is not empowered to know about pre-diabetes, then yes, they're not flagging uh, no it. One, yeah. So I, that's actually the biggest issue. It's about people not knowing what prediabetes is and mm-hmm. therefore they don't know what to tell the patients before the diabetes comes in. Okay. Mm. So let's go back to remission. Is there anything that we can do to probably enhance or encourage or strengthen the period that uh, mm-hmm. this person stays in remission? Uh, yes, having programs mm-hmm. and support groups. Okay. Support groups are very important because you have a, a, a group of people who have gone through the same thing as you and therefore they're going through the same challenges and same joys and victories as you. Mm. It's much easier to for them to understand you than just any other person. So the 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 support groups are very important for okay. people who have gone through remission. Okay. And then uh constant and continuous psychological help. Mm-hmm. So remember we talked about people who go to food as a coping mechanism. Majority yes. of them landed into diabetes because of weight gain because of their eating practices mm. and practices. and yes and some of them it was tied to their mental health. Mm. So ensuring that what that they have actually overcome those bad eating practices that is very important. Then the other thing is just regular follow up with their doctor. Mm-hmm. So we usually tell them even if it has happened, you still have to come to see the doctor every three months. Yeah. So that it gives them also their mind is in check and it keeps on reminding them that yes, you are controlled and you're in remission, but you're still at risk. Mm. So that continuous contact with the doctor or healthcare provider makes them remember that I, I need to, it's still a fight. It's still something I have to fight for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in, within that scope, mm. what is the role of caregivers to people who are living with diabetes? Oh, of course, um, the support system. So a support system, apart from the support group, mm-hmm. the people around, around them this person, are very yes. important. Yeah. Yes, very important. Mm-hmm. Some of them have such people, some don't. Yeah. Um, but if there are people who are around them, I think, yes, definitely, they are a pillar of support to such kind of people. Okay. Mm. So despite now what we know now that we are seeing remission, uh, remission is not a key, uh, a key objective mm. in the care for diabetes uh, management. Uh, why is this? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> All I'll say is uh, you need to remember, and I won't, I won't, I won't uh, go deeper, mm. but remember diabetes is a multi-billion dollar business. Full stop, full stop. <laughs> <laughs> there are many people who are not yeah. Mm. Okay. Just that. Just that. All right. Mm. So now, let's talk to somebody who's living with type two diabetes. Mm. What are some things you can tell them? Fine. We can't guarantee you rem- uh, remission, mm. but there are certain things that you can do that could possibly 
help. Mm. And even if you don't achieve the, the, the remission, you can have better control of your glucose. Mm. So what tips would you give them? Um, one, of course, diet, lifestyle, mm-hmm. diet, exercise. Those are like the foundation. You can't do without them, someone with diabetes. Yes. But two is self-education. One thing that I always tell people living with diabetes is that nowadays we have gone from that area where era of um, the patient has to be themselves the center they have to understand that they are the ones who are controlling everything around them mm-hmm. they should not be always the person at the mercy of what the doctor has said what yeah. the nurse has said they are they need passive to I'm just, exactly I'm just, being told. I'm just being told i'm just following no i always tell patients they have to empower themselves so that they are the person who is guiding their own diabetes journey yeah. ensuring they have got to get their eyes checked mm-hmm. ensuring they have gotten screened ensuring they are doing their sugars at home mm-hmm. to make sure that things are stable they have the right diet they have the right lifestyle avoiding stress yeah coping mentally all those things are things that someone should do actively mm-hmm. so i prefer an active patient to a passive patient and once someone lives with diabetes actively mm-hmm. then they see the difference yeah yes yeah, so that's what i always tell them mm-hmm. then um support groups very important to go into a support group and educational support mm. looking for materials online to learn more about the condition mm-hmm. and then coming up and finding other people who have the same condition and can help each other yeah yes and i, I like what you said about uh, the support groups because i mean i think it it helps to carry that the burdens yes. it eases the burden yes. so to speak yes. and also to have other people share experiences yes. and you can learn from them yeah and i also want to know like i usually like to have nudges yeah you know something that would push somebody to do that mm-hmm. so say for example if it is diet what is an uh, what would you give as a nudge mm. for somebody to apply to be able to make that change um give me an example of that for example so stock up fruits as long as you have fruits and you can see them there mm. you will have them yes so it it makes it easy for you to make that decision ah i get to you eat the fruit so for me what i tell uh, people is get a healthy plate mm-hmm. because the minute you have a healthy plate it helps you know how much starch you're taking how much veggies and how much uh protein because it has already divided it the the, the there for you yeah yes all right mm. Get up that plate. Yes. What do you call it? It's a the healthy portion plate. The healthy portion, portion plate. plate. Yes. Okay. So we are uh, coming to the end of the conversation, mm. and as we end it, we are at the beginning of the year, mm. and people are setting goals. I don't know. Are mm. you the new year new resolutions kind of person? Well, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Whether they are. <laughs> Whether they're ever successful, I don't know. <laughs> uh-huh. So now that we are setting resolutions, mm. what are practical goals you would tell somebody who has who's living with diabetes? Mm. What goals are suggestions mm. for them to have? Yes. Yeah. So I would say one: have a target weight. Mm-hmm. Um, having a target weight helps you to lose weight faster and helps you to manage your. The disease better because you the le- the more fat you lose mm. the better your sugars are mm-hmm. so having a target weight and then working towards it mm-hmm. rather than just randomly i want to lose you, weight. Yeah, i want to lose weight 
So setting ideal targets, mm-hmm. which are smart. Yes. That is very uh, important. Mm-hmm. And then ensuring that they always have a glucometer and glucose strips with them. Okay. And ensuring that they know how many sugar, uh, how many sugar tests they will do per week Mm -hmm. because self-monitoring of blood glucose is very important Mm -hmm. so whether it is 10 sugars in a week because Mm -hmm. i know the strips can be expensive yeah but it's important to ensure that at least they have a target of at least i should do 10 sugars in a week Mm -hmm. or a fasting sugar every other day Mm. so that they still keep at it yeah yes okay Mm. those two those two the third screening so ensuring that every year mm. they get they meet their screening objectives, mm-hmm. which are uh, eye, mm-hmm. nerves, kidney, mm-hmm. very important, mm-hmm. and the heart. Okay. Yes. So very ensuring good. that that is done. Yeah. And then the other uh, important one is also treating everything else. Mm-hmm. That is high blood pressure, cholesterol. Mm-hmm. So they need to not just focus on diabetes, but on the other aspects mm-hmm. so when they they compartmentalize it like that i think it makes things easier all right mm. those are perfect mm. now to we talked of 50 50 percent of people don't know mm. that they are living with diabetes mm. say something to these people every adult above the age of 18 needs to do a fasting blood sugar and if you are above the age of 40 know what your hba1c is there are so many people who have uh, insurance insurances that offer wellness and mm-hmm. they don't even do it. Mm-hmm. If your insurance offers wellness packages, please get your wellness package done. Yes. And you don't have to wait for the end of the year. No, 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 no. That's no. what people do. Uh, like, do, do Maliza, yeah, I know what you mean. So everyone should get that done. <laughs> all right. Yes. So parting shot? Parting shot is um, if you're living with diabetes, Remember, diabetes is a condition that can be lived with and you can live with it positively. And if you are a candidate for remission, remember you can do it. If you are able to lose the weight, you can actually get into diabetes remission. So all the best as you set your targets for the year. Make sure you get your target HbA1c of 6.5%. Hey. Yes. So where can people find you? So people can find me in Upper Hill Medical Center, mm-hmm. uh, room 4C. That's where Diabetes Doctor is located. All right. Mm. On the socials? On the social, Diabetes Doc underscore KE. On Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Diabetes Doctor KE. And I'm also on YouTube. Okay. Yes. So that has been our conversation with uh, Dr. Hilda. It has been super insightful. Thank, Thank you so you. much for honoring my invitation. You're welcome. And guys, there's so much to learn. So do share this with your friends, your colleagues, whoever needs this information. And until the next episode, take care of yourselves and be good.